tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. We're going to be talking today about how to organize your book and your thoughts about a book and outline it and get the manuscript. But really, even, even more importantly, how to launch, how to publish it, market it. Our world travels take us to Las Vegas, Nevada, and we're talking with Julie Broad. Thanks so much for having me. Julie is the head of a company called Book Launchers. Julie, why are so many people anxious to get their story out and publish a book? There's tremendous benefits to writing a book. I mean, we're especially we're talking nonfiction. That's what we do at Book Launchers. And so nonfiction really helps you get your brand out, tell a story. It has an impact. You can help people. You can make money in so many different ways. A lot of people are just thinking about it as the book, but really it's the content that you develop in the book that is the intellectual property uh, that you've created that now you can license and sell and you know repurpose in so many ways. So it's not just a book. And so there's tremendous opportunities and value from it. So I think people are smart to want to write a book. <laughs> yeah, well, certainly to memorialize their processes and templates and so forth. But I loved one of the things on your website. It said, how not to write a boring nonfiction mm-hmm. book. Now, I know you weren't talking about my books in specific, but how do you <laughs> avoid just having, you know, just the facts in a nonfiction book? Sure, I love it. And yeah, our hashtag has become hashtag no boring books. It's on all our <laughs> swag now. And part of it was stemming from my background as a real estate investor. And I read probably 75, 80 real estate books. And what I started to find was they were all saying the same thing. Here's how you calculate cash flow. Here's how you find a good area. Here's, and it was all, it was very boring. And it was all the same. And so I think that what, and yet you read a book like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changes your mindset. It changes everything. How does it do that? It does that through telling stories and through invoking emotion and putting you in. And in his case, it's a fiction, it's a fictionalized, you know, story to teach nonfiction concepts, but you can do the same with your own life. And what a lot of nonfiction authors do because they want to look important and feel important and have their friends tell them how amazing they are, uh, which by the way, doesn't actually happen when you write a nonfiction book. I'm sure you've already experienced that. Your friends aren't going to read it. <laughs> they're, they're certainly not going to write a review. Yeah, way, way to go, Mark. Way to get that book out. Exactly. They'll, they'll, they'll say congratulations, hit you thumbs up button on social, but they're not actually going to read your book. So, so they're never actually going to know how brilliant you are. So don't worry about them. <laughs> <laughs> but really it's it's the stories that you bring into it it's your own it's your own mistakes and that stuff that you think you can't tell people about really because you don't want them to judge you for it that's what's going to make your book interesting and stand out and that's also what's going to make it not boring and a lot of people approach it the other way because they think they have to hide that stuff and just talk about their successes and here's the tips and strategies. Um, but that's not a memorable book. That's not an impact driven book. So um, that's why we're really passionate about bringing you into your book, um, which makes it less boring. <laughs> and where could an author start? Where? How do you guide your clients to say, look, I know you've got five point process, but let's put it into some stories. Where do you get them to start developing those stories? Yeah, it's such a good question because there's two things you got to keep in mind. One is your own personal goals for this project um, because some people want to become a paid speaker or grow their speaking business, 
but they're writing in a topic or writing for an audience that is not going to actually pay them typically for talks. So one part is kind of keeping in mind, like, what is this for? Um, and making sure you've got alignment there. But the other side of this is really knowing your reader and really knowing who they are, not just, okay, I'm writing for women. Like you got to dig into that. Um, and then that combination, we pair you with somebody on our team called a story expert. And our story expert says, okay, what do you want to achieve? Okay, who are you writing for? Okay, what's the outcome of the outcome that you're going to achieve from this? And then you start digging into the stories. You find the story arc of your nonfiction. For some, for some of the nonfiction books, the story arc might be each, each chapter. For others, memoir and like more memoir-esque, it's a story arc for the book uh, because you're not going to tell that story in chronological order because that is, you know, despite the saying once upon a time, we don't want to start at the beginning. We need to, <laughs> we need to hit where the, the pivotal moment in your life, why, you know, what made you learn the things that you're going to share in this book, essentially. And then you can unfold the story from there. Um, so we start you with the story expert and that story expert's crafting the hook, figuring out the story arc with you, and ultimately digging in to find those stories that you really need to share. Because a lot of people want to share certain stories and they want to share stories that actually aren't going to drive you to that impact that you're going, that you need to have with the book. Like you've got stories that you care about, but they're not actually the ones the reader needs to know versus the ones the reader needs to know. You may not, you may have buried. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. So I think a third party helps, whether you're working with a story expert or someone else, you know, having some questions that you prompt yourself through, you know, one question, if somebody's doing this on their own, I always get them to do is to think about what's something in your industry that everybody believes to be true, but you don't actually believe. And you can kind of start down there because that's going to give you an interesting hook and an interesting angle. And, you know, to give an example in real estate, a lot of people thought that more properties was better right? And it was a big thing in Canada, where I'm from originally, people would get pins with this one organization. So you get three properties, you get this pin, you get 17 properties, get this pin. So it made like getting properties such a big thing, but more properties means more problems. And you can actually have a way better lifestyle, way better income from five great properties than from 50. And, and so that was one of the things that I was very counter to the industry in. And, and I spoke, I spoke about that in my first book, which led to lots of success. So I just dropped a ton on you there. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. And I, I, the ball's rolling here. That's good. I was thinking about this idea of your provocative question. What does everybody believe, but you don't kind of a thing. A good story does need that tension, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about all every great movie you've ever watched, every great book you've ever read, novel-wise, there's some kind of rising action. You know, that's what we were taught in English, even. A great story has this tension, this provocation. Do you find that authors are open to that kind of, instead of, again, just presenting their facts, their models, their successes? Yeah, well, typically when they come to us, they're looking for somebody who's going to make their book stand out and not be boring because they've seen something that we've put out there, you know, whether it's read my book or saw a video um, or been referred by one of our authors. So most people are coming to us wanting to make sure their book is something that's great to read. So we find people are quite open to it. Um, Where we do get resistance is Often somebody, again, the, and we touched on this before we even hopped on it, I call them your monsters, right? The, the imposter syndrome, your fear of judgment, your fear of success and your fear of failure. 
those suckers, they rear their head at really bad moments for everyone. Everyone faces them, but it's the people who battle them really hard that often struggle. So they may come to us wanting something, but when we try to give it to them, those monsters jump in and they push them another direction. And one way that this really, you know, stifles creativity is, is for some people, again, that kind of end up with that fear of judgment and they go, you know, this doesn't sound smart enough, right? This is something we run into in nonfiction. And they're like, you got to put these, you know, henceforth, therefore, and like, you know, these giant words back into their manuscript that we've painstakingly removed uh, because it's not readable. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, and, and I hear often that, you know, authors would say, well, I don't want to want to work with a story expert, as you titled them, or a ghost writer, because I want it to be in my voice. You know, I don't use those words. I don't talk that way. And do you find that you're able to overcome that objection? Yeah, usually. I mean, the ghostwriter, the story expert doesn't write the book for them. Um, Mm -hmm. We do have writers. So we do pair people with writers, but we also pair people with writing coaches. Um, So we have different paths for different people. But what I do find is, is during the editing process, you get pushback when we try to Mm. typically clean up a manuscript, um, whether it's removing certain stories or removing certain words. And people do fight that a little bit. But again, you have to think about your reader. And so you want it to be your voice. Absolutely. Like that is something, but it's not necessarily your voice doesn't have to be. And I'd be surprised really if anybody's saying henceforth and therefore like all (laughs) If that's genuinely how you talk every day, fine. Like, okay, let's put them in your book. But that's really rare. Um, (laughs) So that's, you know, I have met a few people who do speak with gigantic words, but you know, the, the book they're going to read is probably not for the everyday reader. The book or the book they write is probably for like a super intellect person who can't help but use gigantic words yes. <laughs> when they talk. Wow. So, so yeah, some people do push back, but we always take it back to the reader. Look, what's, who is your reader? Um, what are they going to want to hear from you? How are they going to want to hear it? And, you know, the honest answer is that anything over a grade eight, a grade eight level is too complicated for the majority of the readers that you want to target because you want that book to be a page turner and something over grade eight is making somebody think really hard and work really hard to get through your book, not turn pages and want to gobble it up. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been talking about developing and crafting and writing the book. Now let's look at the next stage and that is actually launching and producing and publishing and marketing the book, getting it out in the world, as we like to say. What are some of the things, the considerations that we need to think about there? Yeah. So one thing is that I, I don't think of them as separate things. So one, I really always try to get people to think about marketing throughout the entire process, because hmm. thinking about writing the book separate from marketing it means that you're not thinking about marketing while you're writing and it, everything is marketing. And when it, and I mean, you're in, you're in the ad agency, so you get this more than anybody, you know, you need to know what's your hook. What, what are you selling before you start writing? And then while you're writing, who am I selling this to? Who's going to care about this? What do I need to say to hook them in? When I look at those chapter titles, make sure every chapter title is selling a benefit or creating curiosity. You want people to need to know what's inside that chapter when they take a look at that table of contents. Um, And then in the middle, you need to be doing a whole bunch of keyword category and pricing research uh, in order to make sure that your book is being positioned. The cover needs to be designed again, straight for that reader, um, but also for that category so that you're going to stand out, but also fit in. So it's this weird thing, right? It's kind of like society in many ways, right? You have to appear a certain way. So you're trusted, but you also have to do things a little different. So you stand out. (laughs) 
but don't stand out too much, you know, there that's you how go. it is not with tumblers. <laughs> exactly. um, and so all those things happen. And if they're not right, it really doesn't matter what happens at on marketing. You're not going to sell your book. Um, you know, it's kind of like the best packaging, it, it, the worst packaging in the world sets the best product up for failure. So you have to have that packaging there and the positioning has to be there. Um, and then you can do almost anything. And in many cases, you have to try almost anything in order to find the things that work. But, you know, we do things like Amazon ads, of course, um, to sell the book on Amazon. But we also are putting authors on podcasts, uh, media, live appearances, local bookstores and local libraries can be great venues. Um, they're hungry now for lots of programming to get people back into their places. So it's an opportunity for a lot of people to get out in their local market and sell books and build community presence. Um, so those are just some of the things that we do, but uh, it's the one thing I could say is just don't think of it as writing and then marketing. It's everything is marketing. <laughs> one, one continuous process. Well, Julie, I'm also curious about your own creative process. What's the kind of project on your desk these days that you really found you have to put some creative energy that it's not just going to you know, work itself through. It's not going to go through your regular process. You yourself had to think about or approach it differently and creatively. What are you working on? Well, there's kind of two things that I always do um, is videos. <laughs> I'm always doing YouTube videos and then my, my, my next book that I'm writing. And so both of those things take creativity. Uh, right now, what I've been working on is the YouTube videos, doing more content for that. And I always want to do more. I always like to bring that creative edge into it because it's kind of like, for me, it's no boring videos too, right? I'm teaching you all about self-publishing and writing and marketing on my YouTube channel, but I don't want it to be boring. I want you to tune in, even if you're not necessarily going to be working on a book right now. So, uh, so that's the creative edge there. And it's, it can be tricky. Uh, I look at what other people are doing sometimes for ideas. I'm also... I also sketch out what every video is, and I look for opportunities to make silly jokes, to bring in outtakes, to like, what can I do to break it up so it's not just delivering content? Because that's different than telling stories in a book, right? With a book, I'm looking at it going, okay, what story can I tell to illustrate this point? And that's how I try to make that interesting. But videos are different because it's such a visual and you know, it's, it's, the, it's words plus the visual, which is always a challenge to bring together. Yeah. And I'm always curious with creative people, you can often go back to junior high, high school, you know, there's some creative project that you, you were working on that kind of got you interested and kind of fueled the creative fire. Was there anything mm -hmm. back in your, you know, upbringing that really uh, prompted your creativity? I mean, as a little girl, I always wrote, I was, I wrote everything. I wrote a little story about unicorn, like a little story. It was a long story about a unicorn. Um, you know, and I, I used to submit short stories to a paper and I had, by the time I was nine, I think I'd had 11 stories published already. So I was meant to be a writer, which is kind of funny because I ended up going to business school and then I doubled down and did an MBA in finance and real estate <laughs> after that. Um, but, you know, I was thankfully real estate eventually brought me back to writing, but I was always just drawn to books, voracious reader as a kid. And, and I would run home from school and write. That was my favorite thing to do. So, but then got into real estate and then how did that pivot or I guess add to, cause the first writings you did were about real estate, but yep. then that was a launching pad for something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, that's something I always tell people is, is any bad day or any challenge you face makes for a great chapter, makes for a great book. 
you know, all those things. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. I do often laugh at a dinner. It's like, that's going in the next book. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's kind of worth celebrating all the hard times because they they make for great content. Um, And so it's because of some problem properties that we bought. Um, We ended up with a property that got um, the property manager got into a fight with a tenant. Tenant fell to the ground and later died in hospital. Um, So our property manager got charged with manslaughter. The property ended up declining into the point where it was a known crack house. We were absentee landlords, like just on and on, right? Really epic story to talk about nearly 20 years later. At the time, it was miserable, um, but it it prompted me to start writing about real estate investing so that, because people loved hearing our stories partly, um, but I also had lessons to share because every dramatic mistake was like, well, we could have prevented that. Like, you can't say that's you know, our, you know, that could have been prevented. So it's not real estate's fault. That was our fault. And so I started sharing those stories um, in just a writing, the only format I could really think of back then and started writing a newsletter. And then little bit by bit, I started to build a platform in the real estate space. And then the publishing opportunity came. And the, the funny part about that is the Wiley dragged me on for three months. I thought I was getting a book deal. And then they said that I didn't have a strong enough marketing platform to sell books. So I self-published my real estate investing book um, and took it to number one on Amazon in Canada, ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun. But it it was all those dramatic moments in our real estate career that led me to start writing, to share it, to prevent it for other people that let kind of let it all down and brought me back to writing. And so what's next as you look over the horizon? What do you see working on next? Well, I mean, book launchers is a huge project. We have a, you know, like we were talking before, we have a sizable team or we're spread across 12 different states and we have a bunch of contractors. And so really growing book launchers, helping more authors, really, you know, deepening the impact. And we're always really trying to find more people to sell books to. Um, so finding new and innovative ways to get those books that we work so hard to create into the hands of others. So everything I'm doing right now is really revolving around that is writing more, writing more books to support the business, shooting more videos for that and growing my team so we can help authors uh, really sell books and have a powerful impact in the world. That sounds really exciting. Well, Julie, tell our listeners where they can connect with you and follow your work and learn more about what you do. Yeah, for sure. So if you want help kind of through the process of creating a not a boring book, you can go to booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps. So it's the number seven. Uh, steps. And that will get you a worksheet to kind of go through the the story expert process really to, to kind of make your plan for your book. And if you want to check out some of these videos we've been talking about, you can head over to booklaunchers.tv, uh, comment on a video. I always reply. And sometimes I shoot videos to answer the questions. <laughs> yeah, it sounds fun. And thinking about all the people that might be listening to our uh, discussion here, what kind of book would you like to attract? Is there a genre or is there a subject that you say, you know, we haven't worked in that area yet. You'd really like to have somebody to work with on a book in this area. Yeah. I mean, we've worked in a lot now. We've done almost 300 different books. So, uh, but marketing is one subject that we haven't done a ton in. So now as we've been talking about marketing, I'm like, we really need to do more marketing books. We've done a little bit, but most of our books have been business or self-help memoir, a lot of Christian kind of angled books. So I think something something cool in the marketing space would be nice. It'd be still in alignment with things that we do, but it'd be a fun topic. <laughs> well, I guarantee there's lots of people with those books uh, that are listening right now. So maybe we can connect. Well, <laughs> listeners, my guest has been Julie Broad and her company is Book Launchers and the YouTube channel is booklaunchers.tv. 
can't wait to watch some of those videos and find out what a not boring video looks like because <laughs> I've had my share of the other kind. <laughs> In fact, that should be the opening chapter of my next book, all the boring things that I <laughs> thought were creative at the time. And you look back and you go, really? That was, that was the big idea? <laughs> I love that. That'll be the opening chapter. <laughs> well, listeners, come back again next time. We're going to continue our around the world journeys. We've stopped in Las Vegas today, but we'll continue our around the world journeys to talk to creative people about how they organize their ideas, you know, how they get the inspiration, but also the confidence and connections to launch their work out into the world. That's what it's all about. So come back again next time. I'm Mark Stenson, and we'll unlock your world of creativity. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.